Hey everybody, George Robson here, Worship Arts Pastor at Ocean Grove Online Church. Welcome to another one of our podcasts. I want to encourage you to stay with us for this week's scripture reading and message. That was my magnetic personality. Go to the Old Testament this morning, the book of Judges. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is that a problem, Megan? Nope. <laughs> right. Book of Judges uh, depicts a time in Israel's history that ran from the death of Joshua right after the people enter into the Promised Land to the rise of the monarchy with the naming of Saul as the first king of Israel. This is a period of time of of over 300 years. Um, and so this, this book, while not that long in, 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 uh, in, in length, it covers a long span of time. Now the judges weren't actually judges that we think of today. There were no robes, there were no gavels, there was no all rise. <laughs> they were leaders that God raised up for a particular season, a particular time, to bring the people back to their covenant promise, to bring the people back to life with God uh, and life in a faithful uh, way with God. There are 14 judges in all. Uh, You may have heard of some of these, like Samson and Gideon, Deborah, Eli, and Samuel. But again, there are 14 over this span of 300 and plus years. Now I'm going to read the the scripture that's in the bulletin. You're welcome to follow along. There's going to be a lot of redundancy in what you hear or what you read, and that is on purpose this morning. Because although this lasted 300 years, Israel as a people were, were stuck in a cycle of disobedience, which then led to foreign oppression, which then led to cries of distress to God for deliverance, and of course, eventually led to deliverance. And so, uh, as I read these verses from the book of Judges, listen for that redundancy. And as you do remember, again, this is taking place over a period of 300 plus years. Here we go. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God, and served the Baals and the Asherahs. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, now that Ehud was dead. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. No sooner had Gideon died than the Israelites again prostituted themselves to the Baals. They set up Baal Bareth as their god. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They served the Baals and the Asherahs and the god of Aram, the god of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, and the gods of the Philistines. And because the Israelites forsook the Lord and no longer served him. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. 
Because this is the word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Oh God, we believe with all our heart that you have a word for us this morning out of these troubling passages in this book of Judges. Speak into our hearts. Speak the word that we need individually and as your church so that we may move into the future faithful in our discipleship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we can see from these passages that over and over again, Israel did what? Evil in the sight of the Lord. In other words, they sinned, right? They sinned. They were disobedient. And that disobedience would then lead uh, to them being punished by God. And that punishment most often took the shape of being conquered by a foreign oppressor. And that would go on for years. And then after years of living under the thumb of, of a, a, an abusive regime, they would then cry out to God. God would hear their cries. God would raise up a judge or a leader. That judge or leader would rid the land of the foreign oppressors and call the people back to covenant living. You know, when you look at a back of the shampoo bottle, it says, wash, rinse, repeat. <laughs> well, the author of the book of Judges is saying, repel, repent, restore, repeat. And it's over and over and over again for over 300 years. That's how long they were stuck in this cycle of disobedience. Well, when did it all start? It started under the leadership of Joshua. The people of Israel came out of 40 years of wandering in the desert, following their time as slaves in Egypt. Joshua led them across the Jordan into the Promised Land. They, they moved in and occupied what then was known as the land of Canaan. God told them actually to go in, to occupy the land, to, to displace the Canaanites, but more importantly, to rid the land of the Canaanite pagan gods. This was going to be the time for Israel as a nation to shine. They were God's chosen people, and they had finally made it to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. You know the story. A land promised to their ancestors long ago, before slavery in Egypt, and before their 40 years in the wilderness. But all doesn't go as planned. Israel moves in and occupies the land. They displace the Canaanites. But when it came to ridding the land of the pagan gods, Israel fell short of what God intended and from what God commanded. Here's what they did. They worshipped the one true God, the God of their ancestors. But alongside of that, they began to hedge their bets. Yahweh, God, you are all-knowing and all-powerful. We thank you for delivering us at last into the promised land. We worship you with all that we are. But you know what? We, we better make a sacrifice to Baal and to Asherah if we want the rains to come 
and we want the props. Or, let's make sacrifice to one of the other 40-some pagan gods because each one had a specific job to do to give you what you wanted. Yes, God, you are almighty and all-powerful, but I'm going to come over here just a little and speak to this other lesser God just in case. Just in case. Can you, can you see the problem here? They worshiped the one true God, but they also made sacrifice to the Canaanite gods to make sure all their bases were covered. In other words, the author of Judges is telling us that in no uncertain terms, the fundamental issue for the people was that they rejected the absolute lordship of Yahweh, of their God by continually going to other pagan gods to try and ensure that their needs were going to be met and what they wanted would be theirs. And for over 300 years, they did not learn their lesson. They lost sight of their unique status and their identity as the chosen people of God. There were terms to the covenant that God established with them that he would be their God and they would be their people, but they were not living up to their part of the bargain. They were not faithful to that covenant. You know, when Megan was preaching last Sunday about the dry bones, a, a couple of things really jumped out at me. One was that if we're looking for the beginning of Israel's slide as a faithful people that would eventually end up in a heap of dry bones in a valley 1,300 feet below sea level. I was listening. <laughs> this is where it starts. The cycle of disobedience and foreign oppression and cries of distress and deliverance eventually sucked the faithfulness and life out of the people. Can you imagine being about 100 years into this cycle and, and, and uh, living out the relationship with God? It had become very formulaic. They, they probably wouldn't even be able to describe in detail what was going on as it was happening. Okay, we messed up. God's going to send some uh, foreign ruler whose name we can't pronounce. And they're going to invade and they're going to carry us off into um, exile or they're going to occupy the land. And they're going to do that for years. And then we're going to get so fed up with that. We're going to cry out to God. And then God will hear our cries and God will deliver us. And then we'll all live happily ever after. Friends, what shouldn't be lost in this is the awesome, unbelievable patience and faithfulness of God. He put up with this for over 300 years. And that's pretty amazing in itself. So it begs the question, how could a people who had seen so much of the power of God drift continually from him? 
I want us to pay particular close to, to these two points that I'm about to make because I think they have something to say to us today as disciples of Jesus Christ. How did they drift far from God? Well, one is they lost fellowship with God because their obedience was incomplete. Did you hear that? They lost fellowship with God because their obedience was incomplete. They were obedient, but only up to a point. They weren't all in as God had expected. So let me ask, what about you? Are you all in? Do you have complete obedience to God? I'm not talking about making the occasional mistake, but I'm talking about as a conscious decision to hold certain things back from God, certain areas of your life back to God. Do you say to God, God, I'll give you this, but I'm going to hold this over here. God, I'm going to trust you, but only if I have enough money. I'm going to, I'm going to go where you lead me, God, only if I can be assured of my security. Do you hedge your bets, or do you have complete obedience? When we hold things back from God, we are, we are robbing God of his lordship over our lives. Do we worship God but hedge our bets by looking to other lesser gods to see us through? Friends, these are not easy questions. Secondly, they drifted uh, far from God because they rejected the word of God. They began to look at life the way the Canaanites did. Instead of being controlled by the truth of, of their scriptures, they were controlled by the opinions and the impulses of their sinful nature. Because I don't know if you picked up on it, and it's, it's, it's even more apparent when you read all of the book of Judges. They didn't merely fall into sin and break some of God's laws. They threw themselves into idolatry to other gods, which, which friends, that is the worst sin of all. If we can start to rank them, I don't know if we can do that or not, but that's a dangerous place to go. The greatest sin, perhaps, is to turn our back on the living God to serve man-made gods. So God's response was to give them over to the consequences of their sin and their rebellion. It says in Judges, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. So he delivered them into the hands of plunderers who despoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around so they could no longer stand before their enemies. One biblical scholar put it this way, God's anger is not the petty anger of hurt feelings, but the holy anger of a righteous response to sin. It is the revulsion of a perfect God against evil, wickedness, and sinful rebellion. Tough stuff. But here's some good news. I've learned that when my own heart wanders away from God, I can count on God to fight to bring me back. 
I want to make sure you're hurting. When my heart wanders away from God, I can count on God to fight for me to win me back. If I become proud and self-assured, if reading God's word and spending time in prayer seems like a waste of time, God will step in and deal with me. Amen? I might not like it as I'm going through it. I'll be fully transparent about that. But God will always fight against us for our own good. I, don't, I, I know you didn't hear that. God will always fight against us for our own good. So I encourage you and myself not to wait for God to fight against us before we seek his face, before we return to him with all that we are. So here's four action steps we can take that I believe are from God to help us break our own cycle of disobedience. The first is ask Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit to deliver you. When God's people would cry out, he would send a deliverer, he would send a judge, he would send a leader. And they would do all right while the leader or the deliverer was alive, but as soon as they died, right back into sin. Friends, you and I can't do it on our own. Sin is too strong. Our wills are too stubborn. We also need a deliverer. And this time we get one who will never die. Our deliverer is Jesus Christ. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the light, as it says in Colossians. He is both judge and deliverer. And if you were here last week, you know that Megan told us it's time to stop just describing our sin and our disobedience, describing our dilemma, naming it, and it's about time to ask Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit to deliver us. It's one thing to acknowledge and be self-aware. It's another to decide that we're okay living. We don't have to. We don't have to. God will deliver us. We need to ask and claim that. And we can do that right this very minute or right after church over in the prayer tent. We can ask God to deliver us from whatever cycle we are in. Secondly, uh, an action step might be to identify your spot on the cycle. What pattern do you normally follow? Stop the cycle now and ask the Holy Spirit to break the bondage. I'm going to give you an example. I've shared a little bit of this before, and that's part of the reason I'm sharing it again. We're talking about a cycle. We're talking about redundancy, and I'm going to come clean this morning. I stink at going on a diet. Here's my cycle. Here's my pattern. I do really, really well. Let's back up. I'm in really bad shape. And I decide I've had enough. And then I find something to do that will bring me health and wholeness and lose weight and blah, blah. <laughs> 
and I'm all in for a while. I do well, I lose five or six pounds. I lost a hundred pounds one year. It was the same ten, ten times. <laughs> I need God to deliver me from that cycle. But right, we do good for a while. And then we fall back with no habits. And we even think, I got this in my back pocket now. When I get so bad, when I get so heavy, when I get so uncomfortable, I can pull this out again and do it all over again. I think the Israelites were doing that. We know God will show up. We just got to go through this cycle again and we'll be okay. Identify your spot on the cycle and ask God to help break the bondage through the power of the Holy Spirit. Number three, identify the enemy that you have allowed to remain in your life. It's time to recover lost ground. Don't let the ites rob you of your inheritance. Every time we don't deal with disobedience at its beginning, the cycle seems to take longer and longer to break. And grow more intense, and the consequences perhaps become more severe. Friends, ask God through the Holy Spirit to help you get rid of anything that is tripping you up. Call out to God with a sincere heart and expel the enemies of your soul and that will begin to break the cycle. And fourth and finally, allow the Lord to occupy every area of your life. Don't hold anything back. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Friends, pray that, that God will fill you with the Holy Spirit, fill you to the point of overflowing so that nothing is left apart from God. We just sang about it, right? More of you means less of me. Finally, friends, God has put up, God put up with the Israelites uh, this cycle of dysfunction for over 300 years. If you think you've gone down this path so many times that God just doesn't want to hear from you again, doesn't want to hear your cries of repentance, you are wrong. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will break this cycle in your life. Instead of rebel, repent, restore, repeat, it will be rebel, repent, restore, and rest in the arms of a loving God. Not for a season. Not for 300 years. But for an eternity. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Well, God, we, we just, again, are mindful and reminded that you have a desire for each and every one of us.
live in faithfulness and, and we live out our lives in faithfulness to you. Not for God's benefit, but for ours. We're, we're reminded when, when the scriptures say that, that he who began a good work in you will see it through to completion. see that as a word of hope that, that these cycles of, of disobedience and dysfunction will be broken. And the good work that God has begun in each one of us will in fact carry through. Be completed. So that we might be the people that God has called us to be. The people that God needs us we, we live in a world of, of, of brokenness, of, of, of natural disasters, of wars, of, of, of conflict, of turmoil, of, of, of sadness, of anger, of greed. And, and we know that if, if, if we go down that rabbit hole uh, every Sunday, we'll talk about nothing else. But God, we, we know the, 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 the way to change the world is to, is to have you living in us. And have us strong in our faith so that we can go out into this world and be the hands and feet of Jesus to be instruments of his peace and grace to make a difference in the world for the sake of the kingdom but for the sake of the people. Your creation. So that they will know that you are God and that Jesus is Lord. Lord, fill us so that we might overflow with your Holy Spirit. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We really appreciate you staying with us this time around. Remember, you can always search out other podcasts from OGC by looking up Ocean Grove Church or type in oceangrovechurch.com slash podcast question mark format equals RSS in your player of choice. And if you'd like other ways to stay up to date on all things Ocean Grove Church, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Ocean Grove Church, on Twitter as OG Church, and don't forget our website, oceangrovechurch.com. And you can contact us via email at oceangrovechurch at gmail.com. Until next time, we bid you peace.